Who doesn't love Oprah? I know, for real. Right? Like, I don't even want to talk to you. You've got some problems. Oprah 2020. <laughs> yes, honey. <laughs> you better run. It's Tuesday, January 15th, and you're listening to the Typed Out Podcast. I'm your host and founder, Nick Polifrone. Every week, Typed Out aims to deliver conversations that seek to expand the boundaries of understanding and acceptance. This week, I am joined by Winston Chang to talk about something he covered in his recent blog post at touchstone.space, something we have all heard a lot about, toxic masculinity. Winston, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Nick. How you doing? Of course. But before we dive into that deep and murky pool, this podcast is made possible by Audible, the leader in audiobook content. Winston, I know you're an avid reader like me. You actually recommended uh, one of my favorite books, which is The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Oh, I forgot I recommended Love that book. So good. Um, and Patrick, if you're listening, which, yeah, because, you know, you totally are. <laughs> <laughs> Please finish book three. We're just waiting on that one. But do you have a book that you would recommend to our listeners to check out? Yeah. Um, the, my book recommendation is Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chang. Um, Any relation? Yeah. So this is my older half-brother. Uh, okay. The book is a collection of short stories, science fiction short stories. It's really excellent. Um, it does a lot about philosophy and science fiction covered very in-depth and technically. Uh, while still being really readable and doing that perfect level of like small switches on a world that really change your understanding of what you are as a human going through your experience. Yes, I love science fiction too. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And then the lead story, uh, Story of Your Life, is the inspiration for the movie Arrival. Wow, get out. Yeah. Really? Really. That's so cool. Yeah. If you haven't seen Arrival, definitely check it out. Uh, and Priscilla, if you're listening, I know you and I have had a conversation about Arrival, but I still firmly support the work that Ted is doing. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. his stories are are quite good in that respect. So please, if you go on to audibletrial.com forward slash typed out, you can start your 30-day trial of Audible and download a free copy of Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chang and check it out for free. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into toxic masculinity, which I know it's been a buzzword or a buzz phrase, I should say, something that has come up a lot in 2018. Right. And also before then, but I I really feel like the concept of toxic masculinity peaked in 2018. It's something that we heard a lot about. But I want to talk first about the definition of toxic masculinity. What is it? What are we talking about when we say toxic masculinity? Right. And do you, I have, I think I have a definition, but I want to hear from you, Winston, what you think toxic masculinity is. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see how our two lenses are really going to affect and change what we think about toxic masculinity. Because I think we come from, I'm Chinese American, first born um, of two immigrants, uh, and then you're a heterosexual male. And I'm really interested to see. <laughs> Homosexual. <laughs> I'm a gay American. <laughs> I don't even see the difference anymore. <laughs> yes. Um, but for me, toxic masculinity says it's this white patriarchy, the the expectation that we all put on every boy in America to act a certain way, look a certain way, do a certain thing. And more specifically, that becomes toxic when it takes away your freedom to choose and express yourself how you want to be. Yeah. And I also feel like 
when we think of toxic masculinity, the expression of specifically boys and men, right? Because it's it's something that is built from childhood and then reinforced throughout life it's at the detriment of others right so when we think of toxic masculinity it's not affecting just one individual but it's at the detriment of others yeah you know but to me toxic masculinity again to keep using this word or this phrase it's the idea that creates this belief that boys will be boys and there's no excuse for it. That's just how they act. We were just talking about how young children in school, you know, how boys will roughhouse or kind of get the attention of young girls. And it's like, if they pull their hair, or they'll do something just to do whatever, or they roughhouse a little bit. And it's like, how can you tell that child that maybe there's a better method to do whatever it is that they're trying to do? Like right. if you sit them down, okay, what were you trying to do? Were you trying to get her attention because you like her for whatever reason? There are better ways to do that. But I feel like sometimes this idea of toxicity, where that seeps into the way that we cultivate our young boys, is that that behavior is acceptable, that it can continue throughout their lives in the sense that you can continue to act that way, that you can continue to harass women and treat them in a way as if they are objects. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, that's why I feel like it creates this idea of disbelief. I feel like it's it's the reason why... I want to move away from women being like it's it's the Eve complex. Right. It's the idea that she that Eve having bitten the fruit of knowledge, the apple of knowledge is yeah. the downfall of mankind. Right, right. You know, that like women are subservient to men and, yeah. you know, talking about locker room talk right. and that it's OK to objectify women and talk about people in a way that it's like. Oh, but it's just men being men. Oh, it's just boys being boys. And it's like, no, it's accountability for your behavior, you know, because I feel like right now we talked about how if you fall into the demographic that hits those three words, straight white male, it's like you're under attack. But I posted something recently on our Instagram, uh, actually last year, about how if you feel like you're under attack, no, what it is, is that you're finally being held accountable for your actions. Right, right. And that's truly what, to me, toxic masculinity is. We are now looking at the behaviors that have created the society that have that have marginalized people and saying, how can we do better? How can we correct the behaviors that put people at a disadvantage? Thinking of, again, schools and some of the articles that I read that upset me the most are when I hear of educators and school systems that are blaming young girls for the lack of attention and betterment of young boys. Right. Right. Where it's like over spaghetti straps. Yes. Or something stupid, like the way that like a young girl is dressed, the way that she may act or calling attention, the way that she wears her hair as if like, again, women are the temptress and that they are luring the boy from the path of what is correct and morally righteous and it's like no you're responsible for yourself boo like you need to say what am i doing wrong here not what is somebody else doing wrong because she's actually not doing anything to me and what is being upheld is that the automatic male the hetero male yeah is some perfection yeah some perfection it's almost like the light the truth and the way yeah and that anything that goes against that is temptation yeah and so what i want to talk about is how can we begin to move away from that right so it's almost like a analyzing power and where that power comes from right right i really like that use of the word power actually because i think when we were just talking about this fear and power are really very 
conjoined mm. because if you're fearful you're not in a power position yeah and yet somehow this toxic masculinity makes you believe that you have to be in power by promoting fear of something by promoting fear or devaluing the feminine side yeah and being like you can't be those things don't pick up that doll don't like the color pink like don't change your voice too high don't dance silly like yeah you can't do those things we're scared of you doing those things because you need to be in power somehow yeah the perfect example that i can attribute to toxic masculinity actually is from i was with friends for a holiday party earlier in december and we just randomly wound up watching youtube videos mm -hmm. like it was, it was best parties yes yeah. right <laughs> we are now in the age where like youtube dominates like a social gathering that fear of like you put you put your YouTube video on and no one else is laughing. Oh like, yeah, oh, fuck, am I failing? No, right we now? were watching like one of those twenty minute long like bloopers in uh, in newsrooms and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, there was that one chip challenge and it was like the yeah. ghost pepper chip. Yeah, yeah. And so it was a female news anchor and a male news anchor, and they were both going to do the one chip challenge yeah. and see like who tapped out first. Right. And so they both had a chip. And she was like, no sweat. Like it, like it was nothing to her. And this guy was dying. Like he was sweating profusely. Yeah. Like he was dry heaving. Yeah. And I, I went on for like seven minutes. Yeah, like yeah. she was just like waiting for him to just throw <laughs> in the towel. Together, but yeah. he would not let up. No. He wouldn't. The contest was to see who could last the longest without giving in to yeah. the extreme spice. And she was like there's a glass of milk like waiting for you to drink it right. and he would not do it and yeah. she goes why can't we just admit that i won and he yeah. goes you didn't win <laughs> even though he's dying like yeah. this man is literally dying on camera and she's just like standing there like arms crossed no sweat dude no yeah. sweat at all but he wouldn't give in and then eventually he like drank the glass of milk and then he runs off stage and you like hear him on mic like heave into a a bucket but i'm like to me that is the perfect example of toxic masculinity right. the right. idea that you can't concede this power or this literally uh, the stupidest power yeah the stupidest yeah, power stupidest yeah power. exactly it's like what is power anyway yeah is power saying that you Eat can't win in the competition better than me yeah or, you know like why it, it was the idea that he couldn't concede to a woman right right you know even though she had clearly won this contest yeah yeah and so to me that is like the perfect way to encapsulate what toxic masculinity is and Usually it, when I say that it's at the detriment of someone else, it's this idea of keeping women or people that are that don't fit this idea of the societal expectation of what masculine is right. at bay and saying that they, that you are less than. Yeah. And so one thing that I would love to talk about in this podcast is how we can examine those things and then in trajectory with this episode come to an understanding of what healthy masculinity might right. look like. Right. But I think what you were talking about just moments ago is with children and how we perceive things like playing with dolls or liking the color pink yeah. as being wrong and uh, we immediately associate these things with being effeminate it breaks my heart when i hear of children who you know boys yeah. who to play into gender norms at that point where we have young boys who take to dolls or yeah. the color pink yeah and we immediately assume as adults that that means a variety of things yeah. that like what are you doing liking girl things right. as if these things have a gender to them yeah and then also that we immediately perceive that this child might be gay or something you know oh, or no. something along those yeah oh no how dare they <laughs> the, the gay agenda yes 
<laughs> which not all of us do. Yeah, right. Also, also a stereotype. <laughs> yeah, just because like just because someone's gay doesn't necessarily mean that they can pick out the curtain treatment in your house. Right. I'm uh, also hella fly. So what's that? I'm hella fly. There you go. Yeah. So we all have our particular tastes. But the thing is, why is it as adults that we immediately impress these things upon our children? That saying, if you play with dolls, if you like the color pink, if you hang out predominantly with female children, that means you're going to be either effeminate yourself or you're going to be gay or some something alternative to straight and masculine it still comes from this fear right it's really generational like your parents and the society that you grow up in everything that you read as a child um the entire system is in place to build this idea of what a masculine person should be Mm -hmm. and unfortunately like within the last couple of generations that's when we talk about the white patriarchy it's because white males have held a lot of the power so they control that narrative and when all of your heroes act a certain way, hold some certain set of values, and you know you grow up into that, you see your child and you sort of, in a sense of fear, want to build that child into those things that you were shown as being powerful or being masculine or yeah. you know, being the ideal. Um, and I think, to come back to your point, that's just damaging. It yeah. doesn't, it's not true. It's something that you have to fight actively against because it's your own biases and prejudices. But for some reason, that's the hardest fight. And it's it's hard for yourself to do that. I can totally recognize that. But even more so, I can imagine as a parent fearing for your child, those become the greatest fears, right? Yeah. Because it's not even you. It's like, yo, what does my child want to become or what is he going to be? Um, and then in a great aspect of that, both my parents are really Chinese, but they fled China. And my mom particularly saw how it's powerful in this country to act more white. Hmm. The more you know, you act like a person of color, the less options you're going to have sitting down in a boardroom. And she recognized that, that difference of power and then raised me with that fear hmm. to emphasize all of those white mannerisms and you can understand where she's coming from. She yeah. wants her kid to be able to sit down there and not look like, you know, a country bumpkin from some other country. I can't right. alienate myself because the second I do, I put myself in a weaker position. And that's not what my mom wants at all. Yeah. All she wants is success. Yeah. But that's a reality of the system that we live in. And that was a, that was a reality that she raised me towards. Yeah. Even if now, you know, because it's 2019, we all recognize how that's just incorrect and actually hurtful to both the society as a whole, but you as a person yourself. Yeah, and the individual, you know, yeah. and again, it's it's paralleling that to the masculine, the toxic masculine perception where it's like you see that that is the road to success for a demographic of people. And there's only one person that's winning by that standard, yeah. which, yeah. as you prefaced, is typically the, the straight white male. Right. I know that that, too, has become an area that an has... An easy blame. An yeah, easy yeah, yeah. Code. Like the... Yeah. Or a demographic of people or a community of people that have felt under siege right. is the those three words, straight right. white male. Right. That's not what we're saying either. I think yeah. we cover a toxic masculinity that says, in fact having those standards hurts those boys too. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing is like when something is toxic, it affects both 
the person and the, the people around that right. person. Right. You know, it's not just localized to one individual. Yeah. It affects everyone as we as we see day in and day out. My blog post uh, was specifically about an instance where I was sitting outside and um, I guess podcasts can't see, but I have very long hair. Yeah. Uh, and I was on that man bun train top. It's technically a top knot, but yeah. uh, I was on that man bun train and uh, I'm sitting outside in June and some guy comes over and he starts talking about the hairstyle. Like he's seen it on Instagram. He's wondering like how I get my hair cut. Who do I go to? And he's very clearly straight. And I can understand where like I don't ever know what goes on in hair. It took me a long time. Like you sit down at a barber and you go, hey, make my hair look good. Yeah. Please. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I'll do my best. But um, he prefaces it at some point, like, because we're just having a conversation. He goes like, I'm not gay or anything. And I was like, what would that matter, frankly? No homo. No homo. <laughs> yeah, no, no homo, man. Okay. Okay, good. That's not what I was thinking in this place, but cool. Yeah. And it's just like, what a what a he didn't mean anything bad by it you know what i mean like we were just having a normal conversation he looks like a great guy but why would you have to say that exactly because to me that's the equivalent of saying i'm not racist but Uh, yeah it's like (laughs) okay so everything that you're about to say is probably racist yeah exactly or in that context everything you're about to say is probably homophobic yeah exactly i'm not gay but but i love your hair like cool why couldn't you just say i love your hair thank you yeah Frankly, like, it's super empowering when a gay guy, like, hits on you. It's like, that doesn't make me I gay. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> but really. <laughs> I'm teasing, obviously. Nick. Yes. You're sexy. Oh, thank you. Just so you all know, Winston said it first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, unprompted. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't pay him. No. This is not that's a sponsorship. Not, that's yeah. not on my notes right there. <laughs> no. One thing I did want to ask you about is that because after reading your, your blog post about toxic masculinity and this conversation that you had with this gentleman about your hair, has, I guess, waking up to toxic masculinity, has that been a transformative process for yourself or is it just something that you've seen at large in the world around you? So it's definitely a self-transformation process. And I think like we're all journeying to become more self-aware and i think that's a really great ultimate goal and i don't think that journey ever stops no but it's important to see how i can and i hope i talked about my mom in in such a way that shows that like i'm understanding and unwinding the places that i've come from the influences that i have and how they affect my current thinking towards a process yeah you know And that means that I have to look at myself and say, what points am I being toxically masculine? And at what points am I being just the person that I want to be? Yeah. And coming back to your mom, I just reminded myself of what it was that I wanted to say is that parents always want the best for their kids, right? Yeah. And so as we journey towards self-awareness, we work within the rubric of the society that we're raised in, right? So if your mom sees that the power dynamic works in favor of the white straight male, obviously she's going to try to align you to that as much as she can because she wants the utmost success for you right but it is also our job as the upcoming generation to challenge those norms right so i constantly say that people are one of two things that we are either the direct result of our society and upbringing Mm -hmm. or a challenge to it Mm -hmm. and sometimes we fall between those two things Right. right because we do hold on to certain things that we are raised by and then also challenge them at the same time yes other aspects right and it's it's seeing 
where change must occur in order to include more people mm -hmm. or in order to bring about the greatest good. Right. Right. I think of generations past, especially coming back to like the gay community yeah. and the framework with which they had to live in certain times, especially in the 50s, where you had gay men that would marry women and raise children in a home because there was no acceptance in society. Right. Yeah. You had to hide who you were and create that nuclear family right. because it was the only way to be accepted. Right. You know, and there was this whole idea of a veneer put in place and say everything is fine yeah. everything is perfect even though things are shattering below the surface yeah. Yeah. I mentioned in our previous episode with Caroline where we talk about this whole idea of suppressing something and how it can damage not only yourself but those around you right. it's the same thing with toxic masculinity where you're you're being upheld to a belief or just something that is impractical it's almost like perfectionism yeah. right? Yeah. which there is no real tangible thing that is perfectionism right. because what is perfect nothing it's different for everybody yeah. right yeah. so what is my idea of perfect is different from what your idea of perfect is yeah. the same with masculinity like what i might think of masculinity might be different for you right you know right and so coming back to you winston what has been your journey of awareness when it comes to to masculinity and and that long-term projection of self-awareness yeah that's a great question it's a lot of what I write in the blog is meant to like be a reflection on my journey. Mm. Like the point of it was literally, I'm just writing down things of who I am and what I'm doing. And I think everyone, particularly like I'm 26 right now, um, when you leave school and you start working and you hate your day job because you're stuck in an office and it's horrible, like how do you get from that point to the person that you want to be and that's that's just the journey of self-awareness there yeah so it's it's been a long process and i really owe a lot to family friends coaches mentors teammates who all look i'm i'm privileged as shit like i i'll, I'll say that every day of the week um i grew up in a loving like family with no need to ever like face hunger or food shortages or concerns about tomorrow um, and those institutions in place like set me up for success in ways that I can't even fathom yeah. sometimes and I didn't do anything to deserve that I was a really ungrateful kid um, at, you know as I think lots of us are but like teenage years was filled with hormones and like yeah. anger and angst um, <laughs> yes I remember well <laughs> yeah. lots of simple you could not pay me to go back to puberty oh, <laughs> oh god shudder yes um, that poor kid but this here like what you're saying now that is self-awareness yeah. right the self-awareness is realizing where privilege and each of us sits in a different level of privilege right, right? and right. It's the awareness of knowing where that privilege comes from right. and how can you start to unpack the ways in which privilege finds you or right. is available to you. And right. sometimes, especially if you are of the straight white male community, yeah. privilege is immediately thrust upon you in right. some cases, which is not always the case. There are always exceptions to the rule, yeah. but generally you might have a lead start as opposed to somebody else. And I'm way closer to that straight white male than anything. You know what I yeah. mean? Although I am Chinese, like I'm straight 
I'm male and I grew up with money, which is probably the biggest privilege of all of them. Yeah. Um, and classism is its own. Is its own separate. separate thing. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, like, you know, really high upper middle class men. Like I said, my parents came from places with actual food insecurity. Like my yeah. mom's like skull isn't fully formed because she didn't have milk growing up. Wow. Because like that's just what other countries fight with. Yeah. But that is the furthest thing that I had ever faced. Uh, but you're right. That's self-awareness. Like I have all of these privileges. Where did they come from? What did they do to me? And then importantly, like the next step for me is really now that I see all of this, how can I impact my community in a way that, you know, changes what those things were and what the standard is? And yeah. how can I as an individual, given every blessing that I've gotten, give some of that back to both, you know, myself, the people who took care of me and my greater community? And yeah. all of those things are how I'm trying to live my life towards promoting all my friends yeah. and volunteering and being a good person yeah. you know because i have a lot of privileges and they afforded me a lot of really awesome things and so i'm hopefully living my best life for myself and then in that living a best life such that everyone around me can also live a better life yeah the understanding of privilege is the road that leads to inclusion because when you recognize and are aware of your own privileges right. and where they may come from and if they're given to you or afforded to you as yeah. may be the case yeah. it then says okay well let me look how i got in the room and then inclusion says who's not in the room yeah and why are they not here yeah, yeah. how right? do i open that door how do i open that door yeah, yeah. so to me that is like the self-awareness of where your privilege comes from truly unlocks the gate for inclusion for inclusion absolutely for you to be a part of that solution yes yeah. and then that's where we start to create the change yeah that's where we start to say okay well how is it that i've gotten here and what can i do in order to create greater access for people that aren't in this room right Right. You know? And I love that you're doing it also because you, you reached out to me for this podcast and you said specifically, I'm trying to reach more Latina and Latino and then Asian communities. Yes. And how do I, because you're great at including African-American voices here. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And I, I love that like you continue to work towards even, you know, opening the door more. You're like, where's my weakness here? Yeah. And then how do I turn that into strength? Absolutely. And I think that's such a cool perspective to come to like you straight up said i was like yo i'm not gay is that gonna disallow me from being on this podcast and you're like what no like, yeah it's not everyone here has an open voice like yes. please be included in the conversation the big thing for typed out is that all voices are welcome yeah and we were as we were sitting down planning this episode we were talking about who's sitting at the table right and sometimes it's a matter of throwing that table out and getting a bigger one so that we get more voices at it right because the more voices that you have in a room to have a discussion the greater and more productive that discussion will be right right and that's how more change is achieved is that we are getting the perspective of so many people and saying okay well these are the problems right this is the problem for my community this is the problem for your community where do they overlap and how can we find a solution yeah so my thing is is like reaching as many people to come and talk about a variety of topics yeah. and they're all related right and that's the thing is like as as i have these continual discussions they all affect one another yeah Absolutely. i love your metaphor when we were talking about the the table you had the first gay football player come out about the pie yes like wade davis wade davis and correct me if i'm wrong but the metaphor is like when you're baking a pie 
you can't keep adding people to the pie. Sometimes you got to throw it out and bake a new pie. Bake a new pie. Yeah, it's not about how can I divvy up the pie to give each person a slice. Yeah. That pie has already been baked. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of it bake a new pie bake a new pie so one thing i actually did want to talk about in regards of like thinking of the pie i think that there's this idea that when we talk about toxic masculinity and how it's a matter of releasing that overarching idea of the male dominant society like kind of toppling the patriarchy right, right. where we're bringing women into the fold and gender non-conforming folks right. into the fold right. that it is the direct removal of men being in power yeah to me i don't see it that way it's saying we now need to include women we now need to include people who are gender non-conforming and don't fall into the typical binary right it's about saying that everyone has space that our leaders should be of of any gender yeah whatever it happens to be right you know and and saying that there are people who are meant to be leaders of all form and fashion yes is there anything being inside the straight male community that it's a direct threat to men in power i think there's like a benefit to being in new york um in that this is one of those liberal bastions here mm -hmm. so you you feel that less i think we're really good in this city particularly at celebrating diversity mm -hmm. and it's because it's just one of the most diverse places in the world yeah you know? i remember being in china for three months living with my grandparents for a little bit over a summer. And you sort of forget after three months there that everyone just looks kind of like you, mm -hmm. right? It's all dark hair, like olivey skin, Chinese people. And then I distinctly remember flying back into JFK, getting off that plane, and you just see every sort of person in that airport. And it's amazing. Like, yeah. literally, I was blown away by how that diversity really, like, made me feel happier there. You know, so I think if we're going back to that table metaphor, like if you sit at that table and you look around, you say, well, all these people look alike or, you know, who isn't in this room? If you're trying to build that better table, whether that table is, you know, leadership in a country or boardroom of a company or, you know, just your friend group, like yeah. who you talk to, if you're interested in making that community stronger, you should really realize the value of having diverse people there. Yeah. diverse voices and diverse expectations and ways of thinking ways of thinking yes and so if you're like just trying to be better like i think the realization is like it's better when it's multiple colors yeah you know what i mean like, yeah absolutely you want a rainbow there yes you do because yeah. rainbows are the best girl are the best. <laughs> absolutely and the other thing like i wanted to talk about is like through my through my own experience like being in the gay community mm -hmm. and i am subject to this myself because like when i ask about has your awakening to toxic masculinity been like a self transformation uh i know that it has been for me because when i was first navigating the space as being a gay man i i definitely was one of the folks that was like well why do you have to act that way thinking of like the more flamboyant right. stereotype right like you're just perpetuating this belief mm -hmm. of, of the community of like what a gay man is. And as I grew older and gained self-awareness, I was like, that's damaging. Why am I doing that? You know, because one, I was suppressing the feminine side of myself, which mm -hmm. is actually, I will confess to saying is probably more dominant than my masculine side. Right, right. It's just, I'm more in tune with the feminine energy than I am masculine energy. Yeah. And what I want to draw here is that there's a balance between both of those things, but within the gay community, I think that there's, we put this idea of what the straight 
archetype, the straight male archetype is on a pedestal. Yeah. And it's almost as if it's like a game of bocce. It's like if you can throw the ball and get closest to it. <laughs> Great metaphor. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you can throw the ball and get closest to it, yeah. like that is success. Success. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's the ideal. Right. And it's like, no, like you're approximating yourself to something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Why are we putting the idea of the straight man on a pedestal in a community where that doesn't you you will never be that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And nobody needs to strive for that. Thing. Right. Even but, straight males don't need it. Like, absolutely. We're aiming at the same fucking bocce ball right here. Right. And it's like, stop. But it's an elusive it. bocce yeah, ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's not you, even on the field, you'll folks. You'll never get it. You're like, just rolling balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not the good kind. <laughs> Check for testicular cancer. It's really important. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. Roll yeah. your balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we are all kinds of health aware right now. Uh, but that's absolutely it. Where it's the one thing that I, I grew into understanding is that within the gay community, there's this mentality that if I wanted to date women, mm -hmm. I would be straight, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Saying that someone who is more effeminate, which is again, how do you even appropriate mannerisms and characteristics right. to a gender? Right. So, what sort of behaviors or habits? have you allowed and opened yourself to now that you're more self-aware about it one just being like yes yeah, or like you know yeah. whatever or like just really embracing more yes, of a queen yes queen <laughs> like embracing more of a full form of expression right right and not feeling as if i'm fulfilling a stereotype mm -hmm. in any kind of way mm -hmm. and you know what the other thing is that when we think of stereotypes sometimes they are true but the only reason that they are negative is because that there's a negative connotation yeah. placed by society on these things as being bad yeah because it's saying that's other yeah right yeah that's a deviation from what is societally acceptable right with any community you look at any community and there's a stereotype that exists yeah and it yeah. is a departure from what is typically accepted yeah and that's why there's that negative connotation right you know and sometimes yes there are things things to be conscious of and be aware of but i think as a whole stereotypes can be a celebration of identity yeah you know i remember in early queer cinema like when i would watch like the birdcage for example mm -hmm. like if you see robin williams and nathan lane they kind of play into that gay stereotype right. but stereotypes only become limiting when it is an outside community that thinks that it is the only representation of that community itself. Mm. So by saying like, if I'm going to make a film about the queer experience and the characters in it are flamboyant men, that is my perception yeah. of saying that gay men are only this way, Yeah. right? Adopting a lisp, wearing tight fitting clothing, yeah. loving the color pink, right. wanting to be unicorns, which are all like, love those things. <laughs> but they are not true for everyone, right? Yeah. There's a full form of expression. Yeah. That's the same thing for men. That's also what I wanted to loop back into when it comes to young boys developing into their individual expression, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that just because you pick up a doll or just because you like the color pink right. or you know, maybe you let your older sister paint your nails or yeah. something, does not indicate that you are weaker or that you are going to grow up and be gay. Right. It just means that that is a form of expression that you're exploring in that time. Yeah. And it may stick and it may not, but may who not. cares if it doesn't? Right. And one thing actually to loop right back into your blog post yeah. is that you talk about working in a bank and having long hair and yeah. how people were like, oh my God, that's so yeah. like avant-garde. <laughs> yeah. Again, what we perceive as being professional yeah. has to fit a certain way. Yeah. Well, why? What constitutes being professional? Is it the way that you conduct yourself or is it the way that you look? Right. And I would say that it's more conduct than it is form of expression. Right. 
but yeah the, that's my largest thing with like how toxic masculinity well thank you yeah that's my largest thing with like how toxic masculinity affects the gay community is because there's this idea of that you must try to be as close to the straight male as possible and it's like girl honey no it's never gonna happen you are part of the gay community the queer community because you are not straight right so don't try to emulate the thing that you will never be right you know or do like whatever you like you're allowed to like football like yeah of course like who cares you know yes tight end (laughs) (laughs) yes wide receiver (laughs) but then like get really mad about plays or something or like get really upset that like the giants fucking suck and need a new quarterback like you're allowed the stereotypes are fine Right. But they're not all that exist. But they're not all that exists. Yeah. And you're allowed to be the nuances of whatever they are. So if you if you're experimenting and trying to color pink or wearing a dress or whatever, it doesn't change who you are fundamentally. Right. You only if you make the active choice to do the thing are you expressing yourself. Yeah. And hopefully in full freedom you can make as many active choices as you want. Right. You can switch your fucking pronouns if you want to. Yeah. Like who maybe you're like, oh well what does it feel like to go by a they them, you know? Right. And then switch immediately back. As long as you're making an active choice, you're trying to discover something about yourself. Right. Those are the things we're trying to talk about. We're trying to make freedom and expression the the highlights right. and the norm yeah and my thing is especially like with the pronouns all of that is a form of expression yeah. right and exploration right and as long as everything comes through that lens of truth yeah that that feels you right for, for you absolutely yeah. Yeah. if that is coming through the lens of self rediscovery yeah you can never go wrong no. you will never be steered wrong right and so like just thinking about the pronouns as you just yeah. mentioned yeah when someone uses they or them it's because they're still navigating how much like those energies work within themselves these gendered energies or non-gendered energies as it were and again i'm not the person to necessarily be speaking about these things but from my understanding of them and if there's anybody listening along that has better insight to how pronouns should be used please let's have a podcast about it but to my understanding, that is it. Is, is Write a comment on my blog. Yeah. <laughs> is to, in the rediscovery of yourself, where you align with that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. what feels best for you. For you. Absolutely. And you're allowed to change those as you make active discoveries about them. If you yeah. say like, oh, I'm they, them this month. And then next month you're like, eh, that didn't really feel right. Let me try something else. Yeah. As long as you're being authentic to yourself. Absolutely. No one's telling you you have to know what's good for you right but you just have to be trying what's good for you and it comes back to what we said in the beginning about how all of this is a lifelong process yeah every step of the way you could be 8 18 28 88 yeah 108 all of them and still constantly figuring out who it is that you are because every day when you wake up you are someone new in fact every this the real secret is everyone is always trying to figure out who they are absolutely Yeah. yeah A hundred percent. But now that we've talked about like what toxic masculinity is, let's talk about what healthy masculinity is. I think we were getting kind of close to that all around. I love the discussion of like stereotypes are just things. They're not good or bad until you assign a value to them. And then you have to really look at yourself. Why am I assigning this good, bad, negative, positive connotation to a stereotype? And what is it about me that doesn't or does like those things and then once you unwind those things you can move forward to being like well is that 
stereotype or my attitude towards it constructive or destructive. When I think of healthy masculinity, mm -hmm. it's, it's the recognition that masculinity isn't all that there is. I like to put it in the context of the divine masculine and the divine feminine, which are two halves of one whole, yeah. and that one cannot exist without the other, and that they balance each other out. So if the divine feminine is inconstant, the divine masculine is constant, and the two level each other out. Right. Like when I talk about my own self-exploration and, and realizing within myself in mm -hmm. my own personal journey how I attune more to feminine energy, right. that doesn't mean that's at the detriment or to the detraction of the masculine side of myself. Right. It's just the two things work in tandem. Yeah. And it's a constant balance of the two things. Yeah. And so when I think of like when we raise boys to grow into men. These ideas always, uh, just in case people, because I also didn't know about divine masculine, divine feminine. Yeah. It's like sun, moon. Yes. Um, and yin and yang. Yep. You'll see these like two ideas come together. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are very much like spiritually oriented. Oh, right. Even in general practices, like when I think of, again, raising young boys yeah. and into men, it's okay to feel emotion, right. right? It's okay to be vulnerable. And in fact, you should be. You should feel emotion. You should be vulnerable. We all have both. Absolutely. Yeah. And those things create compassion yeah. and empathy. Yeah. And when you have compassion and empathy, you are a better member of society yep. because you begin to put yourself in the shoes of others. Yeah. It comes back to that idea of privilege, yeah. right? Yeah. And saying, where do I exist within this framework? Right. And how can I be a better part of that framework to create something that is better for everyone? Yeah. Not just myself, right. but better for the whole. And again, I know I've said this before on previous podcasts, but rising tides lift all boats lift all boats thank you allison i yeah. love that love that adage i agree i love that phrase and i actually heard it on your podcast again it's come it's come back to me a couple of times but i heard it on your podcast listening to it coming into the into the recording session yeah and what struck me this time on hearing it is you're not the boats you're the fucking tide you're the tide you're the tide yeah. and isn't that isn't that so empowering and also terrifying at the same time <laughs> and i love that dichotomy of it yeah. you know like turns out you are the tide and you've yeah. got to kind of own that yeah and it's sort of scary but it's it's both it's yeah absolutely yeah. well it makes me think of so last night i was listening to my favorite oprah uh <laughs> on super soul sundays and she was in conversation with daniel goleman and they were talking about emotional intelligence yeah. right and he was talking about again don't let the idea of being the tide be too daunting because it's like that could be when I think of like activism and allyship, right. how they feel grand in yeah. spectrum. And there is a real responsibility that comes with those things. Absolutely. But there's also the smaller, most minute scale, which is just as powerful. Yeah. And he talks about how being the change, the small change that resonates in the world. Yeah. He said it could start with something as simple as turning off a switch in yeah. the bathroom in a restaurant. Yeah. Right. Like if you walk into the bathroom in a restaurant and the light is constantly on, yeah. well, what if you were the one that starts turning it off? Yeah. And as somebody comes into the bathroom and the, they turn the light on and then when they leave, they start turning the light off, yeah. which then creates that ripple effect. Yeah. As Oprah was like, well, then you look at the electricity bill and see how much that you saved. It's right. kind of that same idea. Right. The same idea is the small effect that then ripples through people because you have set that example. Yeah. And by being that tide, yeah. right, by being the one who fosters change for the better right. and lifting those boats... It's really not all that daunting. No. Right? No. Because, again, the change comes from within yeah. so that it can happen from without. Yes. And it's always the tiniest, smallest habits that you build and you form 
and you look back on them and you go, wow, that was 10 years. For me, I, I feel a lot of those responsibilities. And I'm sure anybody who's 26 now, and you're, you're working on your own things also, you yeah. feel like you're building these things. And your podcast talks about this in really great detail. Thank you. You work on it. You don't you feel this imposter syndrome all the time yeah and you look backwards and you go like i don't even know if i like deserve any of this but you got to realize it's the small little changes day in and day out that are really going to to change the tides yeah it's not one big dramatic wave it's just really small little bits yeah it's chipping away yeah and then great on that that just reminded me of before the toxic masculinity conversation about my hair with the no homo comment, um, <laughs> we we were taking a bunch of kids to the Intrepid Museum. Yes. And we're looking at that space shuttle Enterprise, uh, yes. which is like on the top level. We're talking not the about, Star Trek Enterprise. No, not the Star Trek. <laughs> I wish, but right? it's an actual spaceship instead of an imaginary spaceship. Yes. So uh, they're giving the talks to, to the little kids and whatever, uh, and we're talking about astronauts and then this little black girl raises her hand and goes hey what about female astronauts yes she's like yes girl yes of course and so i i learned about sally ride who is the first u.s female astronaut Mm -hmm. and then peggy whitson yeah who is she's the first female commander of the international space station yes and the longest u.s astronaut of any gender in space with 534 days that's amazing right and i wouldn't know those things if not for that little she must have been like six years old raised her hand at a thing and said like wait what about people like me right what where's my gender representation absolutely and like Fuck yeah, girl. Yeah. You did that. Right. That to me is a representation. Like that is how we should be looking at the idea of healthy masculinity. Yeah. Where it's saying we're doing this and then there are other people out there doing the same thing that are different from us. Right. Right. You know, and it's drawing attention to like not just men created this nation, not just straight white men created this nation, but actually looking at the people that have all had a hand in the foundation of what is now the United States for better or for worse. Right. You know, and then seeing that through that, where can change come? And it's not actively excluding people from the conversation because that little girl did a great thing by saying, what about the women? Because right. we know that they were out there and yeah. that they were doing very prominent things. Teach me about this. Absolutely. And, and then she does the divine masculine there, right? Like that action was one of constant self-understanding. She said, I want to know more about my gender's contributions to the space race. And instead of just rolling with the tide, she does the thing, makes the action to raise her hand and speak up. And that's a divine masculine trait under those like definitions. Absolutely. And so she, in some way, is a masculine role model, which is fucking awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah because what she's doing is setting the example for how men should be inclusive of women and, right. and also... How to speak up in a thing. Right. Like, ask the questions. Yes. Yeah. And be fully representative of the people that have changed history or yeah. that have influenced history. Yeah. I love that. This was a young girl. Yeah, this yeah. is a young girl. Setting yeah. the example. Young black girl. You know, so yeah. sometimes we think that wisdom has to come from older generations, but it very much exists in the younger ones as well. Right. But Winston, that is actually bringing us to time. So right. I wanted to thank you for your time and, and the contribution to this conversation. I think talking about toxic masculinity is so key. Yeah. And how we can start looking at the ways in which we can counteract the ways that it does affect right. certain communities and also 
the country and the world at large. Yeah. Please tell us again where we can find you and more of your work. So I run a blog called touchstone.space. It's just a collection of blog posts, poetry, and whatever I want to put on it. Yes. Give a read. All of my pieces come really from my heart and my journey through here. Yeah. And I'm just trying to, and I think you said this on a podcast, but you've got to put yourself out there and then hope that someone picks up from it and yeah. is on the opposite side of that story. So um, I'm definitely just writing my story out there and I hope someone looks at it and goes, oh, I can see myself here or, oh, I'm learning something because for me, the process is putting it out there and then the benefit is when someone else picks it up. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. Somebody yeah. out there is paying attention. Yeah. In fact, they're listening right now. Yeah. So, and then also, if you would like to check out more of Winston's work live, if you are in the New York City area, we are hosting an open mic night at DSK in Brooklyn on Thursday, January 24th. And come check us out and jump what on time? to, uh, it's going to be from 8 to 11. Yeah. So January 24, 8 to 11. Yes. At DSK in Brooklyn. So jump on over to typedout.co, which is our website, or you can find us at Instagram, typedout.co as well, and all the details will be there. Are you on Instagram, Winston? I am. It's Winston Chang, um, C-H-I-A-N-G, because no one ever spells my last name right <laughs> on the first time. Make sure you follow Winston. Yeah. And then also check out his brother's book. Yeah. Which is... Stories of Your Life and Others. And you can find that on Audible. And if you go again to audibletrial.com forward slash typedout, you can listen along for free. Well, Winston, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you, Nick. And this we'll, was wonderful. Yes, it was. Thanks. I really appreciate the conversation. And we will be seeing you January 24th at DSK. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. As always, thank you for listening. This has been a Typed Out production. And we'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.